New year, new decade, all good, right? I just want to I just want to thank the church uh, as a whole as well as just the sacrifice uh, the giving of tithes, offerings, all those things are amazing. But just there's so many people in here that give of your time, your gifts, your talent, and we just really appreciate you and I we are, we are really making an incredible impact in our community in some powerful ways. And uh, I, I want to give an uh, unapologetic shout-out to the Edge Coffee Shop. I mean, anybody ever heard of the Edge Coffee Shop <clears throat> in Crete? I just want to give a shout-out to them because they invested $1,000 in second-place church in gift cards. Uh, $10 gift cards, and what we use those for is that we gave Christmas cards and the gift card to every single worker in the village. So police officers, fire, fire department, uh, the village, public works, etc., etc. We gave every person a Christmas card along with a gift card, a $10 gift card to the edge, and sowed a seed in our village so to seed in those that work among us. You know, you never reap in the same season you sow. It's always a different season, right? And we, we're, we're reaping all along. God is doing some amazing things uh, at second place. But I think that as we continue to sow the seeds that we're sowing, God is going to eventually, we are going to reap a harvest, not only as a church, but, but pe- you know, if the hand gives... The mouth feeds, the the foot's blessed, right? The whole body is blessed. And so as we give, each person giving their gift, their talent, their time, their treasure, then eventually all of us are going to be, we're going to receive from it, right? As this community. And uh, another thing too, I don't know if you're familiar with the fact that we do a truck stop ministry as well at the Petra. And we, I'll serve there maybe twice a month and there's other churches that cycle into that effort, and we, we minister to so many people from all over the country, uh, Hindus, Muslim, atheists, we, we pray for people, we, we have the services, but we have an opportunity to minister to the staff, and it's just amazing, but this, this last Christmas, uh, we had St. Paul's Church of Christ, they have this cookie walk. And they give cookies. Well, they don't give, but they sell these cookies for missions and that kind of thing. But they, they packaged 100 packages of cookies for us to put into sacks that we eventually then gave to the truckers. We spent three days just ministering to truckers, giving them gifts. And in the, in the package was not only the cookies, but we gave some snacks. Uh, Family of Faith Church gave Kleenex and wipes and different things, and we put those in the packages, and we put a Christmas card that was made out by our kids into the packages. We put Bibles into the packages, and we were able to minister to those truckers, pray for many of them, many of them going through some incredible struggles, divorce, um, family issues. Uh, it was amazing how many we even saw just would, would shed a tear because they had they just couldn't believe that we reached out to them in this way. And they they're pretty much feel like they're forgotten until they, you know, come into some kind of traffic situation. 
and then they might get a finger or something of pleasure from somebody. But they never feel like they're appreciated. And I just felt like, man, God just really ministered. We had this one guy, Muslim guy, that I was able to give a, a care package to, and, um, and I just asked him, I said, would you mind if I prayed for you? And he says, no, sure, go ahead. And so I just laid my hand on his chest, and right there in the Petro uh, area, the truck stop, I just prayed for him. And, and then, you know, he went about his business, and I did mine. And, and then a little bit later, he intercepted me down an aisle. And he came up to me, and he says, I just want to tell you that when you prayed for me, I felt something that I've never felt before. And then I was able to just talk to him a little bit more about the Holy Spirit and the presence of God and Jesus. And uh, just amazing, right? And so those are the kind of things that we are sowing as a church into our community and, yeah, into the nation, really, as people come and go on the truck stop. Anyhow, appreciate that. And also, I, I was involved with campus ministry for many, many, many years. And uh, in fact, I got saved on a college campus. And so that's probably where my passion for university students and reaching those on the university campus came from. Um, but we've been praying for Governor State University for a long time. I've walked that campus. I've prayed over that campus. I, uh, had, I've taken Micah on campus with me, and, and we've prayed over the campus. But God is, is starting to do something. I, I think opening some doors and giving us favor in ways that I've never, I, I haven't experienced. And when you walk on that campus, you can sense that uh, most university campuses, secular university campuses, you can sense the darkness. And, but there is, there is a measure of, of that warfare going on when you walk onto the Governor State University campus. And uh, I, was, I was sent this text. Uh, we pray for Tori Perez, who is a trainer on the university campus, and pray that God would just continue to use her. And um, she's a godsend from uh, the Lord, for sure. Um, but she sent me this text from uh, a staff person that sent it to her, um, a high-level staff person. And uh, I, just, I, I just thought it was awesome. And she shared it with me, and I go, wow, this is amazing. God is really doing some uh, amazing things. Anyhow, it's, it said, you know, good afternoon, Tori. And love this, wanted to share it with you. So it says, hello, welcome to Flight 2020. We are prepared to take off into the new year. Please make sure your attitude and blessings are secured and locked in an upright position. All self-destructive devices should be turned off at this time. All negativity, hurt, and discouragement should be put away should we lose altitude under pressure. During the flight, reach up and pull down a prayer. Prayers will automatically be activated by faith. Once your faith is activated, you can assist other passengers. There will be no baggage allowed on this flight. The captain, God, has cleared us for takeoff. Destination greatness. Oh, you got to love that, right? You sense, I mean, for him to send something like that out even, right, is, you know, it's amazing. And so we're just, we're grateful for what God is doing and how he's working. And it's all the Holy Spirit, right, at work. And so anyhow, I wanted to just start out, I wanted to share a book that I've been reading that that just really has ministered to me. And uh, 
Pete Gregg, who's the international director of 24-7 Prayer, is a friend of mine. He's a bit edgy, quite edgy, actually. And, uh, but I, I love Pete. But his book, Dirty Glory, is just, has so challenged me. And uh, it's a bit of a story of how 24-7 started, but then it's, it's entitled Dirty Glory because 24-7 goes into some of the most dark, forbidden places you can possibly, where prostitutes hang out, where there's human trafficking. They go into some of the most dark places and start these 24-7 prayer movements. And God just, is, just comes on the scene and does so many things and you know, it's a history lesson on the prayer movement in general and way awakenings that have happened that where God has just shown up in powerful ways. I don't know about you, but I want the Holy Spirit to show up in a powerful way. Hello? And so this book has really inspired me over the last couple of weeks of the Christmas holidays. And he's also got an app that's uh, called Lexio 365. Lexio Divina, which is a Latin term, which is a is a, is a means by which people have, over the centuries, prayed and, and come in connection with the Holy Spirit, uh, meditating on Scripture, reflecting, personalizing it, let the Holy Spirit speak to you uh, through those Scriptures. And I would really re- highly recommend this. It's a, it's, I, I use it, and I think it's a, it's a powerful uh, experience. I mean, Joe's done a great job with the, the devotionals that he sends by text, and this is maybe just another way. There are eight, nine, ten minutes audio, um, but it just it helps you just settle and just connect, right, with the Holy Spirit, which we need to do, right? Because we've got to walk in the Spirit and bear the fruit of the Spirit. So I'm going to start in John 14. The message today is help wanted. Help wanted. Can you say that? All right. Help wanted. We need God's help. We need his strength. We need his power. We need his anointing to accomplish the things that we as a church and we as a family, we as individuals need to accomplish in this new year and in the upcoming decade what God has in store for us. We have got to be dependent on the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit who reflects Jesus who talks about Jesus, who makes us aware of who Jesus really is in our life. And so oftentimes we hear messages about we know God the Father and we, Jesus we can relate to because we see him in Scripture. But when you talk about the Holy Spirit, it's kind of, ugh. But he is a person. He is a part of the triune Godhead. And we must, we must get to know him because he is the one who will make us successful in our walk here on this earth. So anyhow, Jesus begins to talk to the disciples about this Holy Spirit in the book of John, the 14th chapter. If you've got your phones, you need your Bible, uh, walk with me through the Word of God this morning. Starting in verse 16, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, NIV says, counselor. In another translation, it says, helper. It says in another translation, comforter, helper, comforter. The Greek term here is parakletos. Parakletos is is two, two combined, paraklete. Para, called alongside, cleat, call. To call alongside, to help, to empower. He is 
the counselor, the helper, the comforter, to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Then drop down to verse 25, same chapter. All this I have spoken while I'm still with you. But the counselor, the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Then, the end of chapter 15. It says, when the counselor, when the helper, say helper. When the comforter, say comforter. Critical. The helper, the comforter comes, whom I will send, which is significant. I will send. Jesus says, I will send. The king of kings will send the comforter. The father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father. He will testify about me. And then I want to leap to Acts chapter 2, the beginning of a new age, a new era. The church is about ready to be birthed. God is about ready to do something incredibly new, unique, different, unheard of. The Holy Spirit is not going to rest on just a select group of people, prophets, priests, kings. But the Holy Spirit is now going to come to rest on every one of us, those who put their faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit will, has now been promised to come on everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord. And it says in chapter 1, Acts, verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. We just, we just read the passages that Jesus spoke about it. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Jesus said, you're going to have to testify of me. You're going to have to go out and testify of me. You're going to have to be my witness. But I'm going to, receive, I'm going to send you the comforter, the paraclete. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, he's saying... You will not, what I have called you to do, you will not be able to do in your own strength, in your own wisdom, in your own intellect, your own intuition. You are not going to be able to do what I've called you to do and what I've called you to walk in and how I've called you to walk, be directed. You're not going to be able to do it alone. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. You're going to need this promise that I'm about ready to send to you. And we all have to. We all, help wanted, help wanted, I need the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things I can do in my own strength. There's a lot of things I can accomplish in my own power. 
But I don't know about you, but I want to do immeasurably above anything I could possibly do in my own strength. With my own intellect, which isn't a lot, but it, it helps me out once in a while. I want to be able to do more than that. And Jesus is promising just that. That there is going to be a power, there's going to be a dunamis imparted to you, a dynamic, a dynamite power that is going to rest on you, dwell inside of you, that's going to allow you to even be healed of pain and the things that, are, the traumatic things that have happened to you, those walls, those things that have been destroyed by people, individuals, circumstances. I'm going to send a comforter that's going to come alongside you and begin to restore you, begin to bring healing to you, bring deliverance to you. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. You can't do it on your own. And then I want to just leap to 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, for God did not give us, speaking, Paul speaking to Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of timidity or another translation, cowardice. It's easy to get intimidated by the circumstances, right, of life. What we're going through. To lose courage. That's why we need help. <laughs> he says, he's not giving you a spirit. Lay hold of it. Stir it up. You've received something that is powerful. A jewel, a diamond. You've got to utilize it. A spirit of power and of love and a sound mind, self-discipline. So with that, as a backdrop, I want us to turn to Nehemiah that we have been going through for several weeks. Joe has done a tremendous job of bringing truth and principles. I've been ministered to in many of the sermons. The Holy Spirit has spoken to me. In many ways. Nehemiah. There's Ezra and there's the book of Nehemiah. In the English translation, the English Bibles, there's two separate books. Ezra and Nehemiah. But in Hebrew tradition, there's only one. There's only the book of Ezra. And Nehemiah is the second part of the book of Ezra. It is like a whole and I think significantly, to me, it is the last historical document in the Jewish Bible. It's almost like the book of Ezra is an exclamation mark on everything that had been said and foretold before that. Now, if you, uh, you may be aware of this, probably many of you are, but there's a lot of types. There's a lot of typology in the Bible. Specific historical events, things that actually happened, they actually occurred, but yet the Holy Spirit orchestrated those events to be symbolic and be a type of the future of what Jesus would look like and what he would do and what he would accomplish. We look at Isaac, the son of Abraham, and obviously many of us know the story of Abraham taking Isaac on the hill and the sacrifice and, and the type of crucifixion, right? The, that Jesus would have a sacrificial, the son would have a sacrificial death. We see it in the Passover, the Jews, they put the blood on the doorpost and the sacrificial lamb. And, and there, it's a type, right, of Jesus. 
that foretells the coming of Jesus and what he would do. We have Joseph. Joseph is oftentimes considered a type of Jesus in his life. Obviously, types run their course, right? They, not everything parallels, but it's, it's set in Scripture to give us encouragement, to give us hope, to kind of help confirm that what Jesus did is exactly what God had already decided in the Old Testament, confirmed in the New Testament, correct? So the book of Ezra and Nehemiah actually being one book, but yet being two separate stories, Ezra, whose name means helper, and Nehemiah, his name means Yahweh comforts, the comforter. So the book of Ezra represents to me a type of the Holy Spirit, revealing to us truths about the Holy Spirit. Ezra, he's known for rebuilding the the temple, right? He is known for rebuilding the temple. When you invite Jesus to come into your life, the Holy Spirit comes and he restores the temple. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We now are a child of the living God. No holds barred. We are. That's it. Finished. Right? Nehemiah, the comforter, restores the wall. When I come to Jesus, my temple's restored. But how many of you know there's a lot of rubble here? There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of woundedness. There's hurt from the past. There's things that have happened. It's not restored. There's a process that needs to happen. The Holy Spirit has to come in and begin to restore, begin to rebuild the walls. When I I became a Christian, uh, I was on the secular university. Total, you know, I I was raised in a home a broken home, two alcoholic fathers, very abuse, very abusive, a lot of things. Um, again, you know, I'm not, I'm not dishing on them because they were raised a certain way and circumstances happened to them, and we're all broken. We're all wounded. But yet I carried that and get to college and I got to a place that I was incredibly suicidal, even though I was incredibly successful on this outside. Football scholarship, a lot of things going good. But I had gotten to a very dark place in my life. Suicidal. When I would come home to my apartment, I would go into my room, I would pull the shades. And there came a time where I pulled the shades and they never came up again. I always wanted to be in darkness. I didn't want the light shining through into my room. I didn't even like lights being turned on, but I had to, obviously. I was in a very, very bad place in my life. And then Jesus came on the scene my senior year of college and totally transformed me. My temple, the Holy Spirit came, my temple was restored. All of a sudden, it was like worship. It was like Jesus. It was like amazing. But I was still struggling in things. And I'm thinking, shouldn't this not be? I mean, the temple's restored. You know, hey, Jesus, right? We're all good here. 
And then I came to the realization that, dude, there's still a lot of rubble here. There's There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of anger. There's things going on here that I don't understand. So I, I, I called my coach. I said, Coach Dempsey's the one who kind of led me to the Lord. And, you know, he was, I said, man, I don't, I don't get it. I set up an appointment to meet with him and his wife in his home. And anyhow, he's, he's talking with me. And he says, he says, you need the Holy Spirit, Dave. And of course, I didn't know anything, right? And he, go, he, he goes, have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? And I go, uh, nope. You've never heard of the Holy Spirit? Uh, no. Uh, Jesus, I know. It's kind of like Acts 19 when Paul said, hey, when you, when you believed, baptize these guys in the name of Jesus. He says, since you believed, did you, have you received the Holy Spirit? They, we didn't even know there was such a thing, right? And then Paul prays for them, the Holy Spirit. Obviously, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit has to come in. He restores the temple, Right? But there's an element and there's a, 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 an anointing, an empowerment of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> that goes beyond all of that. That comes in and begins to restore. Begin, you know, I knew there was a battle going on, you know, inside. But when my coach that night said, you know, I'm going to pray with you to, to I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit would just come on you in power and strength. And so when he prayed for me, whoa, I had such an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Such a powerful encounter. And it's not about the encounter or the feeling or the experience. But all of a sudden, man, I was, it was heightened in me that there is a war going on. <laughs> I mean, there is a battle being waged not only against me, but those that I love and those that are around me. It was like the Holy Spirit illuminated my eyes. This, this prayer and the Holy Spirit coming in the way he did, it, it was so powerful. It says in the book of Nehemiah, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days and I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. The Holy Spirit is amazing. Romans 8 says that when we, we don't even know what to pray about, the Holy Spirit will pray through us with moaning, groaning, and, and pray the will of God that, that we don't even know what to say. We don't even know what to pray. We, we, don't, we don't know anything, right? We're, we're ignorant of it. But the Holy Spirit will come and, and, and begin to pray and mourn and intercede And it says that he was a cupbearer to the king. A lot of wine. But he said he went to the king. He was so so deeply distressed about what was going on. And I know the Holy Spirit can be grieved, right? New Testament says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. But he was grieving. And he comes to the king. And he comes to the king. Jesus said, I will send you. Remember that? I will send you the paraclete. He comes to the king. He says, what is it you want? Then the king with the queen sitting beside him, which some scholars think it was Esther. They're a little timeline. Uh, Some scholars don't think it was. Whatever. 
It's kind of an interesting thought, though, to think about how God orders our steps and orchestrates events that could have set this up for a win. (laughs) But nonetheless, the king with the queen beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me. Pleased the king to send me. And then I asked him for this, this, and this, and this. And the king gave him everything that he needed to go and restore the walls and rebuild what had been destroyed. When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes with gifts. He comes with word of knowledge, word of wisdom, insight. He comes with administrative gifts, things that maybe you don't have a lot of the natural capabilities, but God can do beyond what we can do in the natural. He came with gifts. Yes, there were men that were talented. They were gifted. They could do certain things with the rubble, and they could, they could rebuild to a certain degree. But nothing compared to when Nehemiah, the comforter, Yahweh comforts, came in with all this lumber and all this manpower and soldiers behind it, angelic hosts, hello, came and brought all of this to the people. What an incredible encouragement, right? To know that we're not alone, that we, I don't have to do this on my own, that there is someone sent from the king with papers, with letters, with power, with authority, and he can come and he can bring deliverance and freedom and victory over our rubble. Jesus, I love the amens. Thank you so much. <laughs> And the king granted my request and went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king also sent an army of officers and cavalry. Whoa! Don't we minimize what God, the Holy Spirit, can do in us, through us. That we don't need to be intimidated. We don't need to have cowardice. We don't... God, work in me. Courage, power, strength. Not confidence in my own self, but confidence in you working through me and what you can do through me. I don't know. I go, to, I go weeks. I, I can do things in my own strength. I can do a lot of things in my own strength, in my own wisdom, in my own experience. But I don't want to settle there. Oh, I'm going to stop doing that. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going <laughs> to. <Okay>. Good luck. <laughs> Help wanted. Help wanted. Help needed. (laughs) That before I sit down at that computer, Holy Spirit, come. Before I enter into that conversation with that person, come. Look at my calendar, the agenda, what's going on. Holy Spirit, guide me, direct me today. Bring people across my path that are not even on my calendar. God, I I need your working. You know what? We need a desperation. A desperation to say, help wanted. Help wanted. (laughs) I need you today. I need your help, your wisdom, your insight. I need you to restore what's been broken. It says in verse 17, chapter 2, it says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? 
You see, Nehemiah said, you see the trouble that we are in? It wasn't, look at the trouble you're in. Look what you did. Why haven't you been at work doing some things, getting some things done here? No shame. No guilt. That's not what... You start feeling shame and guilt, man, you need to take authority over that. And say, Holy Spirit, I am your child. Nothing to be ashamed about. You have forgiven. Holy Spirit, come reveal the heart of God. Look at the trouble that we are in. The paraclete, come alongside. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come and let us rebuild the wall together. Let me. Give me access. Ask me in. Involve me. And we will no longer be in disgrace. But I, I have found in, in my life that when I start getting serious and start rebuilding the, this rebuilding process, I begin to find a force that immediately arises itself in opposition. <laughs> there is a war resisting God's work in me, resisting God's work in other people. Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah is a, a, a map, a map to spiritual warfare and victory, a stick to a nevertheless attitude that says, me and God, we are going to overcome. Hello? I'm going to give you four, four principles. There's, there's so many in here. But the first one is found in chapter 4. Opposition to the rebuilding has occurred. We've heard Joe share and talk much about that over the last few weeks. It says in verse 9, But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. The first principle is that we have to meet the threat of the enemy through prayer. Uh, your your uh, news and events probably has an outline. You can fill in the blank. You can take these scriptures with you. But first off, we have to meet the threat of the enemy through prayer. But not, not just any prayer. It's a position of prayer that recognizes that we are in a battle. Now, you can't be constantly, right? Uh, intercession, fight. But there are seasons in which we have got to recognize that we are in a war. And it's, it's important to pray. It's important to ask God for his assistance. And we also need to recognize that we are our quiet time, Solace, <sighs> me time, but then, man, you got to recognize that we are in a battle. Peter says, in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be alert, on guard. That's what Nehemiah was saying. We've got to be alert. On guard, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Focus is not on the devil and on Satan, but on the power and strength of the Holy Spirit to conquer the adversary. Nehemiah had that trust. Sometimes, though, however, what we do, we have a tendency to do, 
is that we have a tendency to want to be airlifted out of a circumstance where oftentimes Jesus wants to parachute in and give us the weaponry, giving us the power, the ability, the strength, the fortitude to keep fighting, to keep at it, to not give up, to meet the threat of the enemy through prayer. Second principle is in verse 14. It says, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight, say fight. Fight Fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. You've got to remind yourself who you're fighting for. He says, recognize, remember Remind yourself that God is great and awesome, and we need to fight for our sons, for our daughters, for our homes. We have to fight for our community. If we want to see God do something amazing in our community and our surrounding communities, we've got to be willing to fight, right? Those that we are employed with, those that we work with. Number three. Verse 19, then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Recognize our need for each other. There is something powerful about when we gather together in one accord and we are working together on a project when everyone in the church jumps in, says, I'm in, I'm ready. Satan hates it. <laughs> and then I want to just jump. The last point is found in 6.15. So the wall was completed in the 25th day of Yule, 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid, lost their self-confidence. Because they realized that this work had been done with the help, say help, with the help of our God. Help wanted. You've got to be committed to completion if we're going to win this battle. We've got to have a stick to itiveness, we've got to be committed to completion. I'm, I'm, I'm ordained with the assemblies of God. Uh, that's, my, that's my ordination. And so that's kind of, I pull a lot of my history from uh, that denomination. But there was a young man that was graduating from one of the Bible colleges. Young, sharp, intuitive. Man, had so many gifts. Musical, speaking. Dude, he had, he had everything. And so he told his leadership, he said, I, I feel like God's called me to this small little community uh, in the middle of nowhere. And man, everybody and their uncle were trying to discourage him from going there because, dude, the church there, it's, it's just a lot of old people and, you know, they're, they're just, it's dying. It's a small community. There's some churches that we'd like to recommend to you, bigger churches. There's some pastors that would like to hire you, your talents, your gifts. He says, no, man, I'm, I feel like I'm called to this, this community. 
they just could not move him. And so he went. Sure enough, man, it was... I mean, they were pretty close to getting just closing the doors. But the first thing that he did was he went to the, funer- the local funeral parlor and he bought a tombstone and a gravesite. And then he went out there after they had put the tombstone in and he went on the little spot that was to be his gravesite and he pointed his finger in the air and he says, Devil, you're leaving and I'm staying. I don't think you can get much more committed than a gravesite. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> yes, I know there's times where, yeah, you need to move on, transition. You've completed that part, right, of your obedience. No doubt. But while we're in it, we're in it to win it. And the devil is not going to take us down because the Holy Spirit is greater in me than in the world. And I am committed to completion. I am committed to win this war because I have someone on my side, someone empowering me, someone that will help me make it through and win and heal me, restore me, right? I want to challenge you, if you would, to, we need help in prayer pray to the Holy Spirit. We, we need people to be involved in praying and we want to be able to send you things that, hey, we need prayer for this. There's a church body and there's individuals that need prayer. And it's the same number that we use for the church all the time, but help wanted versus tithe. I think you can tithe and help wanted. Help wanted one word to just say, hey, I'm, I'm with you. Send me updates, send me prayer requests. I'll pray. Dude, you think all the little raindrops of prayer happening? Dude, it could be a flood, right? If we'd get on board with this, help wanted. Father, Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. Inhabit our praises. Where there is war, where there's opposition, where there's resistance, we pray, God, you would come down and bring breakthrough. Hear our prayer, intercede through us. We ask you to come, Holy Spirit, in a powerful way. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Come stand to your feet and let's worship.